we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, sit with my best bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, bruh? I kind of like... uh. You know, we're doing more and more. This year, we've been more consistent in our Thursday releases as far as the content that we're releasing. And I got to tell you, man, they just kind of, they, not kind of, they excite me. You know, it's like, it's such, it's such a big give. And, 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 and um, you know, the, our, our Thursday guests that we've had have um, just been giving so much. Yeah. I mean, cause it, I mean, it literally helps us with our business as well. <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, so, it kind of makes me feel like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to have to address this and focus on this. <laughs> got my big old notepad, you know, ready to study go. it. Yeah. <laughs> like back at school. I know. It's so silly. So uh, today, once again, we have on uh, Gavin Salisbury. And, um, you know, Gavin's going to, well, he's going to tell us what we're talking about. You yeah. Know? You know what I mean? He's going to give us uh, some, I mean, great. I mean, actually, today we're talking about, uh, I, Boutique salons, but mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. So you we'll know. have to. So the first five minutes, he'll be explaining what a boutique salon. Yeah, but is. I hear it's a, a pretty, uh, pretty nice trend right now, and whatever that means, I, I, I don't know. So let's, let's get in. Let's find out. So, Mr. Gavin Salisbury, welcome back to your day off. What up, Corey and Tony? How's it going, man? Uh, what's up, buddy? Good. Good to be back. Excited to be back. Um, looking forward to talking to you more about uh, boutique salons. I can define that for you. I know it kind of, it can get confusing because a boutique, you think a small, I think when you think of boutique salon, I think for me, I think, a, you know, oh, it's a little salon, a boutique salon. Right. That's, that's not it. It's, it's a boutique like clothing boutique. So uh, a clothing boutique with a salon and fusing those two uh, models, you know, if you think about your traditional clothing boutique that women are going to go into and shop for clothing and accessories, jewelry, um, home goods, you name it, and fusing those two together so that it's one business model. It's pretty exciting. Well, I so, mean, I've, I've definitely seen, 
Um, maybe it's just a regional thing. I mean, I've definitely seen people sell like jewelry and, and sell like, you know, little knickknacks and stuff like that, but I've never really seen clothing, you know, clothing being sold. And then, you know, I guess my first question would be, can you make enough money from the real estate, you know, from the, from the, 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 the footprint of, of where that stands? You know, that, I think that's a great leading question. Um, yes, you can. Definitely you can. And you really look at like, it's an exciting time for that because you have so many stores that are leaving um, strip centers. Um, what maybe, you know, go back in time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you could pull up to a, a strip center and you probably would have seen every strip center probably had, check it off the list, the women's clothing store. Right. And uh, as, as shopping's gone online, you've lost a lot of those women's clothing stores. So where you can really start to make money, it might seem conflicting as more shoppers go online, but the beauty of the American hair salon always will be is that there's not robots cutting hair. And so you've got human beings walking into the space, connecting with other human beings. And when you put the right goods in front of that, in that experience, you know, clothing and home goods and jewelry and accessories, when you have that right environment, um, it just really complements one another. And I think it's really, we're getting into, you know, from, from the, you know, heads from the what feet up all the way up to the, the top of the head, you're covering fashion and beauty from head to toe. Kind of dig that. I, mean, I have, I have a thousand questions. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just still trying to put it all together and piece it together. Cause I mean, I could probably see, is this happening across the country? Or is it happening mainly like in LA, New York? You know, I've seen it happening for probably the last five years. Um, I think in the last two to three years, it's becoming way more of a trend. Um, I know I was sharing with you guys, it's it's similar to, I think, what I saw when the trends of uh, you had a hair salon and back in like uh, the late 80s, early 90s, everybody and their brother wanted to open up a spa salon. Right. And so uh, I think it became a hot trend. Everybody thought, you know, we better offer additional services and again, it complements the old, you know, wellness and health and beauty. And uh, I think we're seeing that in the last two or three years. So, yeah, Tony, they're, they're opening up, um, I think, from coast to coast. And I know myself, I get a lot of uh, requests to, you know, hop on virtual or go on site and, and try to help people um, get it all kind of solved on how would this work. Well, that, that's where I'm living in my head right now. Like, I'm, you know, like, like with, uh, with actual like clothing stores and stuff, you know, they, they have like a huge, like, you know, I don't know, back room or back whatever, um, program where, you know, they have buyers that are going to fashion week and they're buying stuff. And, and, you know, my first couple of questions is, would you have to, would you have to hire like a buyer staff for that one? And then two, where would one find, you know, said clothing, um, and cheap enough to where they could, uh, where they could, where they could make a profit off of it. Yeah. See, it, it, it's like, uh, it's like a whole new world. Um, I think when we were talking about, you know, successful practices, uh, to operate and, uh, you know, profit from this model, definitely a buyer is critical to the equation. Typically that buyer is going to be the salon owner. So you got to think about, there's a lot of salon owners that just, from the creative space, from the fashion sense, from just the uh, unbelievable souls and talent they have, there is a, a subgroup inside of our industry that fashion is just, 
it's their middle name. I mean, they right. they live it every day. So um, when you can get a, a someone inside of that space, whether it's an owner, a manager, sometimes I've seen it be a, a key uh, stylist who just has a passion for fashion and they want to be empowered. Um, you, you definitely will need, so it's not as easy as, you know, it's always this person, but you definitely need, if you're ever going to do one, that's a critical uh, position is who's going to do the buying. And sometimes it's collaborative. You know, sometimes it's the owner and the manager or the owner and uh, maybe a close uh, friend or client that just has aspirations of having a boutique as well. And then on top of that, like where, where would one go and find, you know, said clothing or where, where do you shop for it or, you know, as a buyer, not as a, it gets so confused when we talk about buying and shopping. <laughs> but Yeah. But from a buying standpoint, this is where they have markets all around the country. So Atlanta has a huge market. Dallas has a huge market. Las Vegas, Los Angeles. A lot of regional cities also have, like here in Minneapolis, where I live, um, once a month, they have uh, down at our, our fashion mart, they have a uh, one day they open it up and vendors come in. You have to have a uh, tax ID in order to get in and purchase at the wholesale level. But it's kind of like one of those worlds that when you start to really um, seek it, there's quite a bit of um, opportunities of where you can get exposure to brands and, and um, boutique goods. And then also, uh, you know, that's key, but also online nowadays. Once you've established the relationship at the buying show, then you're doing a lot of your buying now online in back kind of portals that the average Googler, Amazon, Amazonian who's, you know, trying to shop, they're not going to find these goods because they're, you know, they're just for the wholesalers. So, so when, are you seeing a better design if someone's, you know, has has the boutiques uh i guess model in mind and they build the salon out with that or do you see salon existing salons trying to squeeze that into an existing space that's a great question yeah you know the the ones that are struggling are the ones trying to fit it into an existing space because space i think is critical to the overall success of it so um when the space is not adequate you know, when, and I'll use an example that I think fits what I'm seeing is when someone has like a 10 by 12 um, little area over by the front desk or over somewhere near the reception area. Um, that 10 by 12 space is not what, you know, people are trying it and they're putting jewelry in there. They're putting handbags. That's been happening since 30, 40 years, I think, in our industry. Right. But those are the ones that I think are not seeing the upside um, of what it could be. The ones that are really, they either are existing and they take um, a bay, you know, a, an existing bay that might be right next to them or someone who's just going in from day one and they're really committing. They're committing to the bay, the whole space, dressing rooms. Um, the footprint is easily, I'd say an average footprint is going to be a thousand square feet. The average bay in America is probably about 12 to 1400 square feet. You know what we're used to the subway bay is about <laughs> right. 12 or 1400. So when you get into that size, yeah, now you can really, your merchandise is different. The ability, the experience is different. Um, and uh, you know, it just, it's a, it, the commitment on both ends 
And so when the guest walks in for their hair appointment, they're walking into a space where it's like, wow, look at all this is, it's a unique, uh, oftentimes it's a first impression effect that I've never seen anything like this. this. And you'll hear clients, I've heard hundreds of clients say, why hasn't this been done before? Why in the world are we waiting so long to fuse the head to toe and bring it all together? And so you, um, those that are really committing to the space, I think, can see the return on the investment. It works. I love that. I also love like something that you slid in that I didn't catch. Uh, you said it twice. I didn't catch it the first time, but I caught it the second time was um, like home goods. And like what a perfect what a perfect space for like small little like home good knickknack. I know like Tony and I used to work with a woman who was unbelievable at this. Her name is uh, Andrea. And, uh, and Andrea now owns a salon in LA, but when she was here in DC, she used to just bring in the coolest little knickknacks ever, you know? Um, and she sold the crap out of them as well. Yeah. And she, I mean, she had a little cafe, like a, like a real cafe deli inside her salon too. That was, that was was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. I'm, I'm all for it when you do it right, because there is no other, I think it's one of the best traffic, um, to lead new traffic into your space. Because if you go to like an Instagram page of a boutique salon, you really get the fusion happening of the hair and the fashion. And what it does then is, dependent of what you're really marketing, let's just say I'm on my Facebook, my Instagram today, and I want to boost a post. Am I going to boost a hair post, which I always am going to do, but am I also going to boost a, uh, a fashion post, something that, you know, shows the boutique side and what when you when you have uh, you know like all cylinders firing you're going to get clients that are going to walk in and they literally will say i didn't know this was a hair salon so they walk in because they've seen the post you've boosted it they they like the outfit and so when they walk in you're getting new exposure from new clients um to the tune of you know we own one here in minnesota and every month we get we get between 3 and 400 clients that are just coming in for boutique and how many of those clients it's part of our how we do it um, on the checkout we're asking you know do you receive hair services here and um, if they say no you know wow I've, I've, I've never have had my hair done here then we've got an offer that we're going to hand to that and it could be a complimentary blow dry style mm-hmm. just to get them in the chairs just because you know it's it's hard to cheat on a hairstylist but a blow dry style it's kind of a you know, an unoffensive, uh, you know, easier way to just uh, let them try out the salon, try out the stylist. So when it comes to new traffic, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm not kidding it. It is significantly when you nail it and you've got both the spaces working for you, they're fused together. I'll give you one example of how they can fuse them together. We put our um, color processing table in the back of our boutique. So we have literally women sitting there for 30, 45 minutes, and oftentimes they're getting up, they're walking through. I mean, our demographic is wearing all of this stuff. I mean, I kind of find humor in it. (laughs) I really do. I find great humor, and if anything, maybe sadness, that we still in the beauty industry identify that our only product to sell is hair care. And I start to look at, wait a minute, time out. How many of these clients are walking in for all of their beauty needs? And I think it's just when you start to, it's kind of a mind shift of opening your mind to think about that client sitting in the chair. They're wearing 
clothing and shoes and jewelry and handbags and the hair. And I think if you really are honest, all of it matters. The hair can look great, but if the clothing is, you know, it's, it's like it all goes together. So I think the model, when you really see it from that perspective, it's a beautiful marriage of all that. I just, I, I, a light bulb just went off of my head. You're right. I mean, now I can see the picture, you know, and when you walk up to a counter and you see just like a little stand with like six bracelets, you're not going to really pay attention to it or it's not going to, you know, but if you walk up to it and you had a, a long case and you had all these different, you know, the jewelry, now it's going to spark your attention, right? So now you're curious. Now you want to look at it and see what they have. And, and you know what I mean? Cause now you have options. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I totally see that. Uh, plus, you know, as, as a, you know, you as a salon owner or, you know, you can make it fit your style because people right. come in and they're coming to, to Corey because of Corey's style. Right. So your style can definitely uh, filter out to other things and, you know, whatever you think is going to compliment me, mm-hmm. uh, not only my color or, you know, the hair, you know, I totally see it. I totally see it too. And I was actually thinking while he was talking, like I was thinking like it might, I mean, it's, it's work. So like you have two options here, right? Like, like you either have, you can market it, you know, IE Instagram or, or Facebook or however you do your marketing. And, you know, I know even for us, even for the podcast, like we struggle with like, okay, what are we going to post today? You know, and if you had a boutique, that is such an easy, like, oh, Mondays are boutique day, you know, Mondays are fashion day or whatever. So it just gives you another, another way to touch your, you're, you're, only that, you're like you know what hey this color is amazing here try this on if you don't mind i can mm-hmm. and then you post that and say also she's wearing you know blah 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 we have here at the shop and olivia does that already olivia smalley like she like she has she has clothes in hers but she just does it for her own photographs right, right? she's like <laughs> she's like you know this is going to look great with this photograph so here put this on and let's get some photographs but i mean it's kind of the same thing i mean you're just asking them you know you're asking them at the end of the day for the purchase you know it's cool um or, or Gavin, would you, could you suggest that you would run your boutique as a different store altogether, like on an Instagram account, like, like how you market that? Would you market it as a store by itself? You know, I, I do. I, um, I like them together, but I do know of a client that I work with in Tennessee that does, they opted to have, they've got their hair page and they've got their boutique page and they really operate them separately. Um, I couldn't, you know, I'd be making it up if I told you the pluses and the minuses of operating them together versus separate. Um, but, uh, I know that it works for them. Um, for us, it works for us to fuse the two together. Um, I think Daniel, I saw a post that Daniel Mason Jones did a couple of, uh, maybe a week or two ago. And I loved it because the post was about time and the value of time and the consumer, um, of today, how valuable time it keeps increasing, um, less time, children and families and work and, you know, all the hustle, hustle, hustle. And I look at that value of time. And I just think when you walk into a boutique salon, why not increase their value of time by having both the hair, they can receive hair services. And while they're processing, they can also be doing their shopping. That actually is a benefit to a lot of um, working women on the go in today's world, because especially when it's, I'm assuming that you've got the right goods in there, you know, you've got the, and that's important. The goods need to match. If I'm charging uh, $75 a haircut, I've got to have the right type of goods to match 
that type of demographic on um, price points and okay. brand identity and, and whatnot. But I think, I think this is a good segue then. So, um, so let's say I'm all on board. Like I want to give this a go. Like what, and you actually have one, right, Gavin, like you own a salon yeah. that has a boutique in it. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so just kind of tell our listeners, like, what have some of the pitfalls been and what are, what, what's the, 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 the I don't want to use the word negative necessarily, but, but what have been some of the challenges with having it? And then what, and what to do to overcome those challenges? Well, space, you know, what Tony was asking, it definitely, when the space isn't allocated correctly, whether there's not enough space or whether it's in the very back of the salon, maybe it's off to the side, it just doesn't flow well, complement one another, that's going to be an issue. The buying is another issue. Um, it's hard to, I think one of the hardest things as a business consultant for Summit sometimes is I've got to communicate in a really soft professional way that when, if it's not working, um, I have to look at why it's not working. And sometimes it's the buying. It's just not the right goods. It's just out of season. It's uh, out of touch with maybe the trends. Uh, maybe the price point's too low. Maybe the price point's too high. Um, so I think the buying is, is one of the pitfalls. Um, I also think um, the branding in general. So, you know, I think people are, are trying to get into it and not committing on the financial side of it enough. So what I mean by that is they've got their salon name, but when they open up their boutique, the branding of that company needs to evolve so that it would say boutique in it. And that costs money. So like a, a sign out on the front of a building can be anywhere from six, 10, $12,000. So if you're gonna add a boutique into your model, um, Oftentimes, I think when you're trying to do it on a shoestring budget, the last thing you want to do is pull down the old hair sign, hair, you know, the hair company sign, and replace it with boutique into the uh, mix. That has a cost. So I think that's a pitfall is branding. They either um, aren't willing to uh, commit the investment into the, the updated, refreshed brand, or they're um, kind of just two different entities and they're kind of struggling with how to fuse the two together. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'd say space buying and branding, I think are probably three of the most common pitfalls. Mm. That, that, those all make sense too, right? Yeah. You know, and you don't have like, you know, if you're going to take on this endeavor, you don't have like, you know, like, like, L'Oreal, you know, who, who kind of shows you, okay, these are the products of the season. These are that, I mean, you, you kind of have to, you know, be the self-starter there. And like another thing that came to mind too, um, when you said it is like, as far as seasonal and stuff, it's like, it would also be hard to kind of like control how much inventory you need, you know, per season. Cause you certainly don't want to, um, you certainly don't want to have a, a lot left over at the, at, at the end of the season. Just like, uh, I guess, uh, fewer or smaller is more, you know what I mean? It's better to run out than no, overbuy it and but there's that word boutique right like yeah you know, this is it it's it's, it's in limited it makes it more 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 appealing too rare right like you know there's only two or three you know what i mean and uh so two you, or three pieces right yeah exactly yeah. you have two or three pieces and they, they're going to be gone like that and you know what i mean you make a more of a desire of one you know what i mean mm -hmm. i gotta go and see what they have and because it's not going to last long yeah i love that though that's cool. I mean, I, again, I, it, it's intriguing to me, you know, yeah. it's different. It's intriguing. I would love to like, on a personal level, I'd love to see it for myself. Like I said, I've never, 
aside from um from well, we Andrew, gotta go to minnesota <laughs> i think we do we gotta go visit gavin in minnesota we should probably make a trip we got a lot of friends up there now. yeah <laughs> you know you come in the winter i'll take you boys ice fishing oh, oh. <laughs> hey maybe, maybe we hey. can maybe we can do a layover from bozeman yeah exactly <laughs> we'll, we'll transfer it and and Minnesota and stay there for a couple of days yeah, and then head over to go see Jerry over in Bozeman. But here, here's where it's really cool. And, uh, you know, I probably have in the last three years worked with 10 boutique salons. And so I'm, I'm living it. I'm looking at data, I'm coaching, I'm, I'm paying attention to it, working with salon owners, the, the people who are buying the Instagram, like all of that. I'm in the thick of it. And one of the things that I think, just it goes back to the new traffic, the, t the amount of traffic that we can feed into that boutique. It, it just overflows into the hair chairs. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't really get my head around trying to explain how important that gives that company a point of difference. Um, how many times would one of your hair guests walk into a hair salon if they were super happy with your? with their current stylist. Never. Never, right? Never. Unless they were lost asking for directions. Yeah, like right. <laughs> maybe they're in some <laughs> maybe they're in someone's wedding and they're coming in right. on that Saturday to get an updo and they're in a new space, but it's not their salon, right? Right. But when they walk into a boutique, I have hair guests that don't receive hair services walking into my space every day. That's a good point. You know, we actually have lived that um, about 15 years ago, we worked for a salon. And what they did is it was kind of pre Ulta, you know, but what they did is they made like a retail store all the way at the front of the salon. And then unlike Ulta, it was a full service salon in the back, meaning like, you know, I don't know, we had 30 operators or something, but the front end of the salon looked like like a retail store. And people would come in there just to browse because they felt comfortable browsing at that store where most people don't feel um, necessarily comfortable browsing in a hair salon, you know, and, and many, 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 many times you'd hear people say, Oh, this is a salon too. You know, they literally didn't realize that it was a salon. I mean, they're actually still operating in that, that model, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. So that was, that's Reg Laws actually at PR partners in DC. So going to any of his stores in the front ends, Oh, all look like, um, look like uh, stores with, uh, you know, like retail stores, you know, again, like Ulta with, uh, with salons in the back. And I think you mentioned it earlier about how the stylist, um, I believe they enjoy that boutique because it gives them another point of difference mm -hmm. with their clients when they're sitting in the chairs. It's just another connecting point around fashion. And also when it comes to Instagram and um, sometimes, you know, a client might actually buy a, an outfit or buy a top. Um, while they're processing and then when it comes time to the end of the appointment and they're getting ready to do a photograph that client might say hey actually I want to put on um, you know that outfit or that top that I bought so there's a there's a real marriage there and then one last piece is our front desk team I mean if anything they I think that in the American salon industry that position at the front desk that sales assault is the most critical, undervalued position. I would just shout it from the mountaintop that they're needed. Without that operation piece, I think a lot of stylists would struggle. And when you think of just that um, position, 
when you put a boutique into the model, they can actually earn additional income. So they can earn commission off clothing. Mm. We don't recommend at Summit, we never recommend like commissioning the stylist with the front desk. That can be a us versus them. It can get kind of dicey. And But when it's just clothing and accessories and jewelry and home goods, um, it's definitely something that you can put a piece of commission into their sales because it's a, it's a different skill set. They're having to get out from behind the desk. They're having to turn over dressing rooms, make recommendations, engage with the clients differently. So um, they earn more. And I think that's a positive for the entire beauty industry. I love that. Um, but that also brings up another question. So what are you recommending as far as like, if I'm a stylist and I work for, you know, a summit salon or something, what, what's the, what's the commission on, you know, say, you know, a $50 shirt or something? Yeah, well, we don't commission, we don't recommend commission on the clothing back to the stylist. It's that division, that front desk division, the front desk team gets the commission on the clothing. The stylist is going to get the commission on the hair care, the makeup, the hot tools. Um, and when it comes to commission, we're a big believer in performance-based commission. So, um, you know, you can earn up to 20% commission on all uh, hair care, tools, makeup. It's all uh, dependent of what you sell. Uh, the sliding scale can increase for the commissions. Now for the boutique, you're looking at, it's a smaller commission margin, two to 3%. But in a day, like our, we might sell a thousand dollars today in boutique goods. Wow. So a, th a thousand bucks, three percent, it's thirty bucks. But I, there maybe was, you know, someone came in for the morning shift, someone came in for the evening. So you've got thirty bucks you're splitting amongst two people, fifteen dollars a piece. What it's doing is, it's, it's taking that hourly rate that we're paying our front desk team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might pay my front desk team ten to uh, ten to as much as fifteen dollars an hour. But when you add that additional uh, commission from the clothing boutique side, it can bump that hourly up uh, two, three, four extra dollars, especially in holiday times. You yeah. Make it on that. Absolutely. Dude, this is so good, man. I think that, I think that, um, I, I just, I think it's neat. Again, it's, it's something that I, I didn't know anything about. So uh, I love it. Now I know. Now, now I know. <laughs> I got my nose on now. <laughs> That's cool. Gavin, so if there's uh, nothing else, let's, um, let's wrap this thing up. You know, there's one more thing, I think, and, it, and yeah. it's, I think it maybe might be the most important thing. Um, you know, we always say it's not about the money, but it is about the money. Um, when you look at it from the money standpoint, uh, the profitability on a boutique is ridiculous when you know how to do it. Uh, service, if you're a commissioned salon owner in America, the best you're going to ever earn off of commission, your profit of every dollar of service that a stylist is doing, the best you might keep is between three and 5% of all the, you know, so hundred dollars rolls through the register. You might keep three bucks to five bucks. When you're getting into retailing, retailing, you're keeping 30% of every dollar. Whoa. So when you yep. start to uh, cross promote and you've got all these hair guests, that now are starting to, you know, I think it's about one out of five will purchase a boutique item. Now you're getting into the cross promotion. And instead of the, the ticket being, I'm going to make it up, 140 for the hair, maybe they bought a shampoo today that's another 20, 25. But then they add on some denim, jeans, a couple of uh, 
graphic tees, uh, you know, things like that. All of a sudden, that ticket's going from 140 for the service, 25 for the shampoo. You're at 165, and then boom, you get an extra 150 or 200 for a boutique purchase. And the profitability of that guest experience is unbelievable. Um, now, that, I don't want to make it seem like it's easy to do either. You know, you, all cylinders, but the buying, the space, the merchandising, the pricing, um, it's all got to work. But when it works, it's really great profit. So what's the markup on like, on like, you know, like clothing and stuff? I mean, we know what the markup is on like on shampoos and things. So how is that different? You know, why is the profit Depends on your so buyer, better? man? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, <laughs> I've said this to so many clients over the years. There, you're not going to get in trouble taking a shampoo bottle at the wholesale price and marking it more than, you know, just one full turn, like a markup. So I'll use an example, $15. A lot of salon owners will just mark it up to 30 because they bought it for 15, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just industry practice. And that's how it is. When you get into other industries, pizza, jewelry, furniture, those are the biggest marking up. Uh, I think, you know, industries that there are. So when it comes to boutique, it depends. There's a few brands that they um, hold your hand, like you have to sign a contract that you can't mark it up beyond a certain amount. But uh, majority of them, they don't. So you got to go off of what the bot, what your, so it's a scientific wild ass guess. You got to go <laughs> off in a way. And my, you know, and that's where that buyer comes into play um, where, they're just in tune with how much would someone pay for this. But it's common that it's going to be three times, uh, four times. And you get lucky. There are some things that we can mark up five times. You buy for, you know, four or $5, $6. And, you know, I wish there were more of that, but there isn't. But you can sometimes get four or five times the markup. Usually three to three and a half, I think, would be more common. Well, wow, that's huge then. I mean, that's reason enough to at least give it a go, <laughs> you know, right. That can be great. <laughs> you start shutting down your hair business and start opening up more. Hair. So like, well, they need each other. That, that's the, they're married to one another. So I think without the hair guest, the boutique's not going to get the traffic it needs. Hence why everybody is closing up their brick and mortar and moving online because they can't get the traffic in there to go in and buy anymore. But in the, in our industry, that's the beauty that keep coming in. And um, I think it, uh, it allows then that footprint, the cost of the rent, cost of the goods, it, it all can work like that. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Dude. And one last thing I want to say, and this is, I know things are going to keep going online, uh -huh. but there's something about touching something. There's something about feeling something. There's something about putting it on. And I think there's always going to be in the name of service, that's the beauty. We're always going to get people in the chairs, but if you can put things around them that they use every day, that they're, it's a part of their overall look mm -hmm. and they can touch it and feel it and try it on. And that's a different experience than just going to Amazon and clicking away and buying. I actually think that there's a huge upside to that too. And the other thing too, is that, you know, Unlike, you know, you always have those clients that are going to take a picture of whatever product you use on them and then go, you know, shop you, you know, but, you know, that's going to be difficult to do if you're buying it from like a, a boutique or a unique kind of thing, um, unique, you know, look, whatever, you know, hey, I like that shirt, you know, they're not going to really go to Amazon and look for it, right? you know, because uh, hopefully you have it in small enough supply. Mr. Gavin, once again, the man with the bombs. Yeah. 
Um, thank you very much, and thanks for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>